welcome to episode 23 of Getting Real About. In today's episode, Sarah and Mariah share their stories and experience of losing a child. This is an emotional episode where the ladies share their testimonies and their grieving process. They talk about how this experience brought them closer to God and give some advice to people who have experienced this themselves, as well as for friends and family who know someone who has experienced this type of loss. All right, ladies, it's time to get real. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Getting Real About. And today we are talking about grief and specifically the loss of a child. So I'm Mariah and uh, I work here at Gold Creek. I'm the children's pastor at our Lake Stevens campus. I've been married to my husband, Mark, for 11 years almost. And we have three boys together. We've got a seven, almost seven-year-old I'm a four-year-old and a one-year-old next week. I know. Oh my gosh. They're all so great <laughs> and easy. I've got really good kids. God blessed us with yes. some easy children. My husband always says it's because he knows that God knows we couldn't handle anything more than what we have. Gosh, so. I wish my babies were as easy as yours. <laughs> and I'm here with my friend, Sarah. Sarah, yes. tell us about yourself. So I'm Sarah Carbajal. I also work here at Gold Creek, um, the Mill Creek campus. I just transitioned from being the little kids pastor into managing the cafe. So That's I make been a good change. for Oh, you. it's so fun. I have a lot of fun making <laughs> coffee and food for everybody. So if you're ever if you're listening to us locally and you're ever in the area, stop by because the yes. food this girl comes up with is so <laughs> amazing. She's like, oh, I'm adding a new thing. I'm adding acai bowls to the menu. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, plus I have a better audience, like a better group of people here to make food for than yeah. at home. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Speaking uh, of at home, I have so I've been yeah. married. Um, my husband's on staff also. I've been married for 15 years. Oh my goodness. I have a 14-year-old son, a 12-year-old daughter, and a two-year-old daughter. And how long were you and Ruben together before you got married? Actually, we were only together for six months. So you got pregnant with AJ like right away? Yeah, actually a month after. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not, I had like waited like four years. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta know who you are as a person before, before I have offspring with you. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So like I said, today's topic is a little bit more of a heavy conversation and whether you've experienced this yourself or, you know, someone who has, this is a conversation for you. So, um, we are talking about grief, but like I said, specifically about the loss of a child, both Sarah and I have had issues, um, have had individual issues with um, losing a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was, I after my first was born, Royce, we uh, definitely felt like God had called us to have more kids. We felt like we, we it was our job to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, we tried for a bit to have another baby and got pregnant. And I remember... I remember the day I found out, actually, it was a Sunday morning. Um, I'd been taking tests like every day, like right. when is it going to happen? What's going to happen? And I had taken a test and it's like, you know, you take the ones that are like two weeks before your miss period. I'm taking it like two weeks and one day before my miss period, like just in case. <laughs> and so it was a Sunday morning and I was heading to church. I was heading here. I worked at the Mill Creek campus at that time. And we had the I Spy event, the, um, our Halloween event. We used to have one called I, I Spy. And um, all of us as staff and volunteers dressed up as um, in the evening. It was an event in the evening and we uh, would all dress up as characters and the kids would get their little booklet and go find all of the characters around the church and get them to sign off. And I found out that morning at ch- that morning before Sunday. And I was like, I walked into church and I was like, I can't tell anyone. This is so exciting. <laughs> and then um, that night we, yeah, I did the whole I spy thing and I had told my mom right before. So at nine o'clock when we were done doing the I spy event, we went out to Applebee's right around mm-hmm. the corner for our celebratory dinner that we had gotten pregnant. And uh, so it was, yeah, that was only, it was towards the end of October. And then a few weeks into November, I was having a meeting with uh, a friend of mine Um one of our volunteers at our Lake Stevens campus. And yeah, I all of a sudden just felt just a gushing of blood. And I was like, something is wrong. And so I ran to the bathroom and excused myself. And um, I immediately knew what was happening, um, that I had been having a miscarriage. And I was in the bathroom just trying to deal with it. And I had to go back out and do my job and sit with this volunteer and have a conversation and 
the whole time I'm sitting here, like I'm actively having a miscarriage and, um, and you didn't tell anyone at mm -mm. the time. Nope. I just sat there and I kept interacting with this gal. And so then we, um, yeah, I was taking her around the church, showing her different things and grabbing supplies for her. And I'm feeling like I'm bleeding everywhere. Like this is not good. And so <clears throat> as soon as she left, I broke down, I started crying and, um, I was crying in the, in the entryway and a male colleague of mine walked in and, um, he went upstairs and told, um, Stacy, my, our boss and said, um, Mariah's down there crying. I don't know if it would be appropriate for me to talk to her. I'd like mm -hmm. you to, you know, go check on her. She's crying. I was sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. I was like, and so she came down and I said, I'm having a miscarriage. I think I'm having a miscarriage. And she's like, what? And she didn't even know I was pregnant. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. And, um, so immediately they threw me in a car and we oh. went to the doctor and got some blood drawn and then 48 laters had another blood drawn. Yeah. So we can talk more about how the processing of that went, but there is my small Storm. synopsis of, of my experience with the miscarriage and yours was much more. Oh, I don't think comparing is fair, but no, no it's not, it's not, but yours was, yeah. I guess you're right. You're right. You're right. It, yours was different. Yeah. I should say. You want to tell us I can relate. Cause I did. Um, so my son's 14. Um, I got pregnant in between my son and my daughter and also had, I think I was about six weeks. How far along were I think it was like, yeah, I think it was seven, yeah. eight weeks, something like that. Yeah. And I had a miscarriage and I was at home, um, which, you know, maybe in a way, like I can't imagine how painful that was to just mm -hmm. pretend like everything's okay mm -hmm. and keep going. Um, because I remember being really emotional at the time too and went to the doctor and yeah, they do the blood draws, make sure it's not tubal, you know, all those mm -hmm. things. Right. Um, and then, um, after having that miscarriage, I got pregnant with my daughter three months later, Issa. Um, and then uh, three years after having my daughter, Issa, I got pregnant. So it would have been our, our third or we say fourth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was about 16 weeks in and I started bleeding. And it wasn't a lot at the time. I went in and they said I had placenta previa, which can cause spotting. Um, but then the bleeding increased over time. So I went in again and they said, you probably have a tear on your placenta and we just can't see it. Um, so they put me on bed rest, which they, they weren't sure how helpful that was at the time. Um, but said, we're going to put you on bed rest and have you take it easy, which was probably my worst fear, hmm. um, being pregnant was to be on bed rest. Um, so I have, you know, active children running around the house and, um, and all you can do is sit with your thoughts when you're on bed rest and know like you're bleeding and um, you're just trying to do everything you can. Um, I made it to 20 weeks. So I've been bleeding this whole time. Um, at this point, they kind of, they were obviously clearly um, heavily monitoring my pregnancy. Um, my mom stayed the night because many nights actually, because Ruben would work late. So she was staying the night that night and um, I woke up and went to the bathroom and I lost a ton of blood on my way to the bathroom. Sorry. You're good. I remember at the time knowing it was a lot of blood. Um, my mom heard me <laughs> crying, sorry, and came into the bathroom. And I remember just crying with her and saying, I, I know I've lost him. I know I've lost him. So... Um, we called Ruben. He came, took me to the hospital. Um, they immediately checked the baby and the baby was okay. <laughs> um, and I just remember feeling this sense of relief. Like, I can't believe it. Um, but then the doctor told me, if you want to continue this pregnancy, um, you need a blood transfusion right away. Um, and I, sorry, <laughs> I still think about it and just, um, and just the gravity of that moment obviously I was going to continue. So I said, yes, whatever I have to do, mm -hmm. admit me. Um, they gave me a blood transfusion. Um, at that point I stayed in the hospital, um, and I continued to lose blood. I got a, a total of five blood transfusions. Yeah. Um, in fact, they had to put a central line in because they were having to take blood to check my blood level, um, constantly and then give me blood. 
Um, so I had a central line put in. Um, I made it, um, obviously the goal was get me as far along as possible. Um, so it was, I was at six months. Um, they had done a shot to help the lungs grow for our son. And um, they, I got an infection. They had given me antibiotics. Um, I, I still remember it was Mother's Day. <laughs> um, at this point, I had been in the hospital for four weeks, which that in itself was so hard too, because I wanted to be with my other kids. There were times that I was alone um, in the hospital. Sorry. And um, just honestly, at that, pl at that point in my life, I would say my, I had been away from God. I didn't not believe, but my faith wasn't so super strong. Um, but I just remember just sitting there with my thoughts, like knowing I needed God and um, I went into, despite, um, them trying to stop contractions, I started having contractions at, um, 24 weeks and they tried to stop them and couldn't. And I went into labor. Um, I delivered my son and his heart was beating, but, um, everything just went like so fast in the moment. Um, I remember them handing him to me and letting me hold him. And um, them saying he's not breathing. And there was like so much happening at the time. And then I, um, sorry, <laughs> I remember them taking him away. And I had to be rushed into the emergency room because I was going to bleed out because I had had a placental abruption, which I didn't, I didn't fully understand everything that was happening. Um, but because the placenta sheared off, like you'll just keep pumping out blood. Mm. So they have minutes to like stitch you up so you don't bleed out. Um, so um, they gave, so they took me out and I remember being rolled down the hallway and my family had come to visit and they didn't know what was happening. They just happened to be in the hallways. They were rolling me out. And um, I remember them telling me they loved me and, everything just went so fast and I got brought into the room and, um, um, put under and they stitched me up. And by the time I came back to the room, um, our son had already passed. Um, and I've never felt so much like pain and sorrow at the same time. Um, it was just a lot happening at once and hard to process like what was happening. Um, but I can, I can go into our story even more, but I can tell you now, like looking back, it was so painful at the time, um, and really hard to go through, but, um, man, it really brought us back to God, um, in a big way. Um, and so I can look at it now. And even though it still makes me emotional, um, I can see all everything God's done through us. Um, through our story and what we went through. Um, but I had never heard of anyone experiencing that. And that's the hard thing about the loss of a child. Like you don't hear these stories, mm -hmm. right. And you feel so alone and like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, when all you ever hear are normal pregnancy, you know, like mm -hmm. you see healthy, um, pregnancies and people having babies all the time and you don't hear these stories. So, yeah that's why I think it's so good for us to talk about it today. Cause it's hard to talk about when you've gone through. Yeah. So it's hard. I remember feeling like, yeah, no one, no one knows what this is like. No one's experienced this. And even when we um, got pregnant after that with our second son, Royce, I mean, Pratt, <laughs> even then, even then I, I just remember a, a girlfriend of mine and I, you know, was very just transparent with her. Like, I'm not excited about this pregnancy yet because I don't know. I don't know whether this is right. a successful pregnancy. I don't know whether I'm going to have this baby. I can't get excited about a baby yes. until I know it's a viable pregnancy. And obviously like, even still, we never know. But, um, I remember her just, I remember telling her I'm not excited. And I remember her being like, I've never experienced that. How can you not be excited? And I was just like, cause no one talks about this. No one talks about you get pregnant after you've had a miscarriage or after you've lost a child and you're not excited because you don't know. And I remember when you were pregnant with Eliana, yes. your miracle baby yes. that <laughs> with Eliana, I remember constantly you just like, you would talk yourself on, uh, you know, you'd work yourself up and then we yes. have to like 
you know, process bringing it back down because you're like, the stress isn't good. But, you know, and I remember just how, how not excited. That sounds really mean to say. Like, that sounds like we should be excited for God's blessings. It's not that we're not excited for God's blessings, but we can't allow ourselves to feel excitement over something that we've so desperately longed for. Yes. Because we don't want to experience the loss again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's the hope and the, the excitement of bringing a child in. And when that's been taken away from you, then you have a much harder time just fully like embracing the joy and excitement of having a child. It was one of those, like, I wouldn't believe it until I was holding Mm -hmm. my daughter. Um, I did struggle being pregnant with my daughter. And that's kind of um, a huge testament of just uh, everything we went through um, only brought us like to a place of having to have a conversation with our young children, which I don't know if you did. Um, no, Royce was only mm, eight, shortly after 18 months. So he was too young to understand any of it. So, I mean, ours were, ours were fairly young. My daughter didn't really understand. She understood going to see mom at the hospital. She understood something was happening and that I wasn't home. My son was in pre-K. Um, so he was a little more like, connected to the idea of I'm going to have a brother and didn't understand like why he didn't come home. Yeah. Um, and had so many questions like every four-year-old does Mm -hmm. (laughs) and questions that really challenged us. They were hard. It was a hard conversation, but I remember telling him that I believed Adrian was in heaven and then thinking to myself, if that's what I believe, then I, it was challenging in the sense we weren't going to church. Like we weren't, we had never like talked to our kids really about God until then all of a sudden I'm saying like, oh yeah, I believe in God. Like we had had brief conversations, but we weren't actively like going to church. And I remember just thinking like, if I'm going to tell him, this is what I believe, like, then we need to go to church. Like I remember just feeling this, like as a mom, like I'm doing them a disservice of not like if I can feel confident in knowing that our son's in heaven, I want them to feel that confidence too and know that. Um, that's what brought it that. And like, um, we, our son was in the preschool program here at Gold Creek Community Church and there were people bringing us meals. There were people praying for us. And I just remember that was really hard for me because I don't accept help very well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I needed it. I needed it at that time because I was so broken. Like people bring you food is like the best thing because you're, you're, it's just so hard for you to wrap your head around doing everyday Mm -hmm. life things at that time. I wanted to be there for my kids, but obviously I would have moments, you know, it's like a roller coaster where you're fine and then you're not and you're emotional. Um, And just having to answer those questions is what brought us back to God. And we started coming and then, that's what led to my husband and I um, getting baptized and led to just where we are now. So I'm so grateful. And I think us coming back to God and leaning into God through all that is what we needed. And Mm -hmm. he knew exactly like where we needed to be. And I've shared that before too, but we lived in Arlington and it made zero sense to bring our son here for pre-K. I seriously believe that that was God putting us where we needed to be to get through it. Um, So I look at that now and that's um, just, you know, you've heard the footprints in the sand, right? And Mm -hmm. just that, that idea that like, even when you can't feel like God's there and it's so hard and you don't understand why, like I can look back and say, but he put, I believe he put me where I needed to be to have people like pouring in love and bringing food and praying for us. And that was what we needed to get through it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how we would have gotten through it without all of that. So, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about how we handled the tragedy, how we handled Mm -hmm. the grief, how we allowed our spouses to grieve. Like it's just, it's such a an integral part. So now we've talked about how we've experienced these traumatic things. Okay. So now what, how, how did we deal with it? So mm-hmm. I know for myself, it was when we had, um, cause you had to take, they had to give me, uh, I had to do a blood draw when I started bleeding. And then one forty eight hours later, um, 
just to confirm mm-hmm. or say, no, everything's fine. Or what they checked your HCG levels and just to see what, where you were at. And, um, I remember when I went for my second blood draw, it was a Friday and they said, well, we won't be able to get back to you till Monday. And so I'm sitting there for two days over the weekend, knowing what's happening, but not wanting to actually say this is what's happening because I didn't want to doubt God. Part of me felt like I was doubting God. But if I said, no, I'm having a miscarriage, I felt like I was saying, well, who, who's to say, who are you to say that God can't heal this or, you know, whatever. And so mm-hmm. I didn't want to doubt God. And so I didn't say anything. And I was just in my head. I like, I just knew, I just knew. And then the other part of me was like, well, if I, if I think it, then am I thinking it into being, am I, you know, they, we always talk about the, the power in your thoughts and in your words, and you speak things into being, you think mm-hmm. things into being. And, and I don't know, it seems silly to say it out loud, but I just kept thinking like, okay, if I'm thinking I'm having a miscarriage, it could, it, will it happen because I've thought it into right. being. And so right. for that weekend, we just sat and yeah, I just, I, I didn't know for two days. I just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. And then Monday afternoon, she called and, um, it was about an hour before my husband got home from work and she said, yes, I'd like to confirm you're having a miscarriage. And, you know, she asked all the questions of what, what are you experiencing right now? I'm very blessed sounds in the sense that I didn't have to go through, um, taking medication to pass everything and, um, having to go in and have any sort of procedures, everything passed naturally. Um, and it was traumatizing. That alone was just horrendous. Like yeah. seeing and hold on. <laughs> the thought like I would look in the this is gross, but I'd look in the toilet mm-hmm. and I'd be like, Is that is that it? Mm-hmm. Is that is that the baby? And um, so that was really hard. And so then my husband came home and I think this is the part that got me the most was like I was crying and I have yet to cry on one of these podcasts. I I'm just getting teary right now. Um, yeah, he walked in and my oldest was down for a nap and I was just sobbing. It'd been an hour since I'd heard and I was still like, can't breathe. Like, you know, your rib cage is coming out of your body sobbing. Yeah. And he looked at me and he was like, what? And he, and then like, I didn't respond and he was like, what did they say? What did they say? And he just like fell to the ground. And like, that was it for me is because my husband's not emotional. And so seeing him like a fall to the ground sobbing, it was like, he wanted this baby just as much as I did. And, um, that was really hard seeing him, um, have that experience. And so, you know, we, um, thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it was, it's definitely one of those moments where I don't know how it was with you and Ruben, but it was hard for me in my grief process to realize that he was feeling something. And sometimes I felt like he got over it sooner than I did, or maybe he was just being stronger because I wasn't, I'm not sure. We haven't had the conversation. Um, I mean, we're five years, five and a half years past that. So, um, we never had the conversation of like, how did you cope with this? How did you handle this? Like, what did the grief look like for you? I, so I've never asked him, but I, that image is seared in my brain of him falling on the floor and and just knowing that he, he was heartbroken. And so grief is just such a big thing because we handle it differently. Um, It was an invisible pain. It was something that like no one could see. I mean, even in the moment that it was actively happening, I went into like full adrenaline, almost mom mode of like, we just got to handle our crap. We just got to do what we got to do. Like, yes, I'm not having a miscarriage right now. I've got it. I've got someone I'm talking to right now. I've got work to do, you know, and I just pushed it away. And then, um, yeah. And then even now, I mean, it was like thinking back to it. I just, I didn't let people come alongside me because I hadn't told anyone. Right. We hadn't even told people that we were pregnant except my mom. So um, I hadn't even told my sister. My sister's like my best friend. I had not told her. We hadn't had the opportunity. And so um, just I was coping alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is so hard and isolating. And then I, I remember that with our first miscarriage, like it's hard because you're feeling everything like physically. So then, yeah, it's easy to just feel 
your what you're feeling and not necessarily think about others and you're are struggling at that time anyway to do yeah. that um I remember with with Adrian um I guess it was different because um Ruben would come to the hospital after getting off at three in the morning and sleep there um in case something went wrong mm-hmm. and obviously it was a little different because I was essentially fighting for my life too and our child's and um, he would stay there until like six in the morning and then get up and go to our house to get our kids because my mom was sleeping there and she had to go to work. And so um, it was hard for me to, you don't know someone else's perspective or can't feel what they're feeling. But I know um, he's told me like how helpless he felt. Mm. And that's so hard for men, right? Um, just feeling like there was nothing he could do. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, he was the one that held our son, Adrian, um, in the last moments when I was in surgery. And so, sorry, I know that was hard for him. And so, um, you know, you come together through something so hard and just cry together. That's like all you can do. Um, but it is hard because you each experience different moments of remembering what was painful for you. For him, it was that, you know, that moment and that helplessness and seeing me taken away and knowing there was something he could do. Um, For me afterwards, it was like going through all the normal things that you go through when you're pregnant. Like I still got milk in. Mm. um, And that was a constant reminder, you know, that I didn't have him. And um, we were so far along that we had a crib and we had like a room set up and um that was hard um sorry don't apologize you keep, it's fine this is um but like people like honestly I can't even say it enough like people being there and just I wasn't even saying anything it was like in the things they did um just coming over knowing I was still recovering and and helping with my kids, making food, bringing food, taking my son to school. Like there were people that threw a birthday party for my son when I was in the hospital because I couldn't. There was so much and it's hard for me to accept help. Mm-hmm. But um, if it wasn't for everything that everyone did, like it would have been so much harder to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the best thing that my husband. so. I don't know what you guys decided to do after, but we like decided to honor um, Adrian and remember every year. Um, Every year we go and get balloons. I know I've heard of lots of people that do this Um, on his birthday. Everyone gets to pick their own, whatever they want, whether it's something they love or something they think Adrian would love or, um, and then we send them up to heaven his birthday mm-hmm. and it's just like a beautiful way to like honor him and remember him every year so mm-hmm. our kids look forward to it um and for them it's just fun you know um our I don't know that they'll fully um understand the gravity of everything until they're older right yeah. um but it was still like just a great way for us to have a great moment and now Ruben's family and my family do it on his birthday too so we just all get to have like a day to just you know celebrate that and um and it's not painful on that day like I talk about it now and when I think back it's painful to talk about everything but um talking about it does help yeah like you and I being able to relate and understand each other and talk about it helps so yeah, we don't have any sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, we don't have any sort of thing that we do. But again, that's just another example of how people process grief so yes. differently. So I don't want to be reminded of it. Right. I don't, I don't right. want to think about it. And so um, it's become a thing now where I can kind of say it casually in conversation. A, because I think this, the, I don't want to say stigma of it, but it's becoming more well-known. It's something people are talking about more. And so because miscarriage is not such this um, strange foreign idea anymore, it doesn't seem, people aren't like, (gasps) when you say you've had a miscarriage, they're not like shocked about it. 
So part of it's a little bit of that, that I feel more comfortable talking about it. But the other part of it is just that I've always been the type that when something happens, if I can just kind of my coping mechanism, if I can play it off, if I can throw it randomly in a conversation without it being a big deal, if I can like tap on it and then keep going with my conversation so that no one needs to, we don't need to dwell on it. Right. Then I don't have to process as well. And I don't have to process with another person. Right. I, I'm kind of an internal processor or with select people, I will vomit all my thoughts and then pick through what I just said and weed through it and figure it out. But, um, so for me, I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to celebrate it. I do have it in my calendar. Um, I put it in my calendar actually the first year for the one year anniversary. And then, um, it stayed in my calendar actually. And I have not been able to get rid of it. I don't yeah. know how to get rid of it. I've tried. Um, not cause I don't want to remember, but just because I don't know, I just didn't want it in there anymore. And I tried and I think <laughs> maybe it's cause I'm not very technologically savvy, or maybe it's because God's <laughs> trying to tell me like, you can't gloss over what I've done, what I've, you know, or what I've allowed the miracle post miscarriage to be. Mm -hmm. Um, without remembering the miscarriage. I don't know why, but it's stuck in my phone. And I can't get rid of it. And so every year it comes up and it actually kind of at, on year two or three, I started realizing like I wouldn't see it on my calendar, but I would just feel this like aching mm -hmm. for a couple of days leading up to it. I'm like, God, why am I so irritable? Like, why am I so sad? What's going on? And then I would always like be like, oh, that's why it's my soul knows. My soul knows something's missing. Yeah. And even though my brain can't comprehend it, even though, you know, my heart can be okay. Like it's just the longing is just, it's so, so empty still. So then it comes up on my calendar and I'm like, cool. great. <laughs> so it's just how we process grief differently. You want to yes. celebrate it. I don't, but that's not because I'm, um, shamed, but I'm not shameful. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I'm not, I'm not like sad. I'm not like ashamed of it or whatever. It's just the way that we Yes. Process grief, I guess. Yes. How does um Ruben respond now? Do you guys talk about I mean you you've yes. been fairly open with it. Yeah. The whole time I've known you, you know. Every year because we on his birthday we um get balloons. Like um we don't necessarily like go back like I'm doing right now and talk about like how we felt in those moments. Um we did a lot at the time. Um need to like talk through everything. Did that help you with your grief? Yeah, it helped to understand each other too, because um, I didn't know what he was feeling, right? And he didn't know, like he didn't know, um, for instance, until we talked about it, like, oh, I'm still like, my stomach's still contracting after I'm still getting milk and I'm still like, the, they don't, without talking about it, like he wouldn't know to be sensitive to that mm -hmm. or to understand like you feel sad at different moments. And that's always like a little bit frustrating. I think at the time, like, why are you not sad when I'm sad? Why is this not making you like, why? Cause they're not feeling what you're feeling. So, um, that was hard, but we had to talk through it mm -hmm. to understand like, well, I'm sad right now because I'm feeling this. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to like, understand that we felt sad at different times and that was okay mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to not feel it at the same time you want mm -hmm. someone to feel it with you um obviously we were both sad we just had different moments of being more sad about it or having triggers or things that would come up or happen that made us emotional so yeah and now I mean now it's a joyous thing for you guys so now yes it feels much Yes. Better about it. And yeah. I better. I, just well, keep in mind, everybody, as we're talking through these, we might yes. use verbiage that sounds right to you. Yes. But there's not a lot of words to put to this kind of stuff. Right. So, well, because of you, you know, our story, but because um, I, we kind of touched on it because we trusted. Um, so at Gold Creek here, we had a period and we always say around here, God can. Mm -hmm. And we literally had a can. <laughs> on it that said God can. And I remember Dan doing a sermon and um, saying, I don't know what it is you need to trust God with, but write it down and put it in this can. And I remember in that moment, like wanting more children so bad, mm -hmm. but being afraid because I had a one in four chance of having a placental abruption again. 
and that number would always like stop me from, I couldn't get pregnant for a year. Like they told me I couldn't. And then it would just stop us from wanting, like we didn't want to feel that pain again. Um, but we, I remember writing on a card, like I'm going to trust God that he can give me another baby because that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And, um, then we found out I was pregnant not long after. And yes, that pregnancy was so hard for me and so different. Um, my eyes had been opened up to it, like in a different way and seen um, how quickly something can be taken away. Like we've experienced all of that. I'm sure everyone at some level has experienced that, like hope for something or longing for something and it taken away. And so I didn't take anything for granted, which was almost like a gift that God gave me through all that. Like I was so grateful mm -hmm. after going through that for everything I had. I also knew how easily it could be taken mm -hmm. away. And so I was so nervous, but just trusted God through that pregnancy and then had a healthy um, baby girl. And so that's why we have a two-year-old. <laughs> so you were probably like, why do you have a 14, 12 and two-year-old? Um, that's why. So she's a, a gift yeah. that, um, that with trusting God and with our journey and just believing that he was always there and he always wanted to give us something good. And, um, now we have our daughter. And so, yeah, I think it takes away a little bit, um, this, this sting, I guess a little bit, because there's been time one and time heals a little bit. And the more you talk about it, you heal and having our daughter. Um, but yeah, we still, um, honor him every year. So, yeah, I think, uh, I remember being almost angry at my husband because I felt like you aren't allowed to be as sad as I am because I'm <laughs> feeling it. And so I almost felt irritated when he was sad and hindsight, you know, almost five years post all of this, I'm, I'm able right. to look and just say, God, I it just was not fair the way that I, I forced him to process too quickly and move on too fast. I don't know if he ever got the opportunity to fully process it, but, uh, I remember still, I mean, I was in mops with, or no, I wasn't. Yeah. I was in mops, I think with, um, Royce. And I remember every time they get to the point, there was always that point right at the beginning where they'd go, anyone have any fun news? And they would be like silence in the room until someone's <laughs> like, I'm pregnant. And I remember every time it was coming to that point, I had to walk out. Cause I was like, mm -hmm. I can't be part of this. I can't be, I can't see this. I can't see all these people around me being pregnant. I remember the first time someone, a, a friend of mine got pregnant after my miscarriage and was so nervous to tell me. And mm -hmm. I just, I remember just being so sad that sad that it was happening for her and not me and sad that she felt like she, I wouldn't be genuinely excited for her because I was, but it's just this multi-level and that's just what grief does for you. Mm -hmm. It's this multi-level thing where you, it hits you in moments and you're like, why am I sad now for this random thing? And then, um, it won't hit you when it should hit you or, you know, someone will be excited about something and you're not. And it's just the way that it manifests itself is just so strange. And, um, I just feel like I'm sad that, that we didn't get to experience the things that we should have been able to experience with our babies. I'm sad that we had people who felt like they couldn't, that we wouldn't be happy for them because we were so sad. I'm, I'm just sad for all of it. And it's just such a hard thing to, grapple with. And, um, yeah, I just feel it's just, there's just still moments where it just hits me randomly. And I'm mm -hmm. just, you know, when people say how many times have you been pregnant or how many yes. kids you have, or, you know, I, I make jokes about it. My, you know, we have three boys. My, my, um, brother-in-law has two boys. My father-in-law had three boys. So it would have just been a family of boys. And I oftentimes I'm like, Oh God, just, you know, needed that little boy up in heaven. I had no yeah. idea whether it would be a boy or a girl, but yeah. I just, you know, like to make jokes. Oh, well, it would have been just another little boy <laughs> here in this world. So yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, you talked a little bit about how this, how this experience brought you closer to God, but what I'm, what I want to know is like, sometimes we think, that when we lose a baby, that it's something that we've done wrong. Was mm -hmm. that something you struggled with? Like that mm -hmm. it was your fault mm -hmm. that you lost Adrian? Yeah, both times. Um, 
I, with Adrian, I definitely did the whole like, oh, you probably did too much at work. You probably like, especially when you've never heard of someone going through that, it's really easy to just blame yourself because it doesn't seem normal. So, you know, it, it's easy to internalize and then think, oh, what if I had not done this? Mm -hmm. What if I um, had not done that? Mm -hmm. So yes, a little bit I did. I know for myself, I didn't, I didn't believe that I had done something wrong. I knew logically I hadn't. And so that didn't really ever like affect me too much mentally. I knew that miscarriages were not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I knew that, although I hadn't known really of anyone who had had one. And so, but I knew statistically that it wasn't super uncommon. And so because of that, I recognized that it was, and, and the other thing for me was the, I knew that I was capable of having a healthy baby. And so right. I think that gave me some comfort in knowing it wasn't me. Right. I hadn't done something wrong because I said, my body is capable of carrying a, a baby healthily. So I, I don't, the why though continued to be the question of like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And why, like, why couldn't I have this baby? Why did you take this baby before I could experience loving him? And I keep saying him just because I assumed it would probably be a boy, but you know, you've talked a little bit about how this experience brought you closer to God Mm -hmm. and just how much more it it brought you back to church. It brought you. Absolutely. I, I, Never, ever would have imagined being on staff at a church either. And but when we went through what we did and having the outpour of love and support from people Mm -hmm. um, at the church that didn't even know us, um, that in itself was um, so inspiring um, that honestly, it kind of brought us to a place of we want to give back. Mm -hmm. Um, So we plugged ourselves into serving Um, which is healing in itself, like serving others and being able to not be focused on you um, is so healing. Like just saying, okay, what can we do for other Mm -hmm. people um, is, was moving forward was like a really good thing for us to help heal. So we started serving. I served in the food bank um, with my kids. Um, so I found areas I could serve with them, even though they were younger and my husband and I served in kids ministry and that just led to, um, our relationship like growing and being in God's word and we hadn't been, and then getting to be comforted by the things that were in his word. And then, being able to read that and then think back Mm -hmm. and realize like, yeah, he was always with me. Mm -hmm. Um, he never left me. Like he, um, wants good for us. He wants to be close to us. Like knowing that our children were now like building a relationship with God was so fulfilling. And so, yes, it, it really led us to where we are now being on staff and having, Eliana and being able to trust him with that. And yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I was sort of saying to you earlier that God places, God creates us the way he does for a reason. We Mm -hmm. are human. And so we're naturally going to have these, these sort of awful thoughts that pop in and things that are just not in line with what he wants. And so I think for myself, it was really, really embracing some of those thoughts if that if that makes sense like mm-hmm. really embracing the 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 grappling of why and this this anguish of why and I don't understand and all this stuff not trying to pass off of well there's a plan or yeah no but actually just feeling those feelings because God created me to think those thoughts and feel those thoughts for a reason mm-hmm. and so being able to just rest in that grief helped him so much just because it allowed me to know, well, God created me to feel this grief and he wants me to experience this grief. And I don't know why, but I'm supposed to. Mm -hmm. And it definitely led me to fully putting more trust in him and trusting the calling he'd placed. But on the other side of the coin, I was so angry with him because I felt we Mark and I had both felt the calling to have more children. We had been, you know, faithfully praying for another child um, or more to be shown whether God will have God show us whether he wanted us to have more kids or not. And we felt like he was very clear that we were supposed to have more kids. And we were 
we were stepping up to the calling. And so to have him take that baby from me, I was so angry. I, I didn't understand how, how could you call me to have kids and I'm being faithful and I'm stepping up and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You've given me now, I'm stepping up, but now I've got a longing for the, a baby. I've got mm -hmm. a longing to hold this baby in my arms. And, and the moment, I mean, I'm taking tests every day leading up to my pregnancy or to my, um, period because I want to know right. and I find out and it's just overwhelming joy and I'm so happy and hopeful and excited and then immediately it's just ripped away mm -hmm. how could you do that to me how could you make me so happy and mm -hmm. then take it from me like what what's the point of that why 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 would you do that and I was so angry like I'm doing my part God like why are you not showing up right and I think that was a really hard time to to be sitting here thinking I was faithful. Why was he not faithful? Right. And obviously that's not true. But um, I thought that so much. I was like, I did my part. Why are you not showing up? And I think that that felt very much like punishment. And that was really hard. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm sure that was because you were in a different place than I was at the time. So I guess for me, I was far from God at the time. And for you, so probably I could see why your yeah. emotion was anger. Yeah. For me, I felt like it brought me to God. Yeah. So I guess then I was able to see like without that, you know, would we have continued to just mm. go on in our life without feeling this need mm -hmm. for God? Mm -hmm. So even though I was heartbroken and sad, I was, I wasn't angry, but it was probably because of where we were at. Like I was upset you know we talked about this a little before but in in situations right if I was I was never upset for someone having a child um but there were moments where if someone didn't want their child mm -hmm. that that was really painful and that was really hard to hear because I wanted mm -hmm. um I wanted a lot of kids and I wanted Adrian so bad um, so that was really painful and hard to hear. Mm -hmm. um, I never necessarily was angry, but I was sad. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, we both can see. And I think that the beauty of us working so closely together actually is I know that you and I can immediately think of two or three or four people just in our scope and our sphere now that have gone through something similar yes. who have either had pregnancies a little bit farther along or who have had miscarriages more early on in their, in their pregnancy. And it's become more prevalent in our circles. And I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel very much like I, no one talked about it when yes. I was going through it. Yes. So what a blessing now you know, I, I, I continue and I send this verse, every one of my friends who, it sounds so heartbreaking to say, but every one of my friends who've experienced a miscarriage as they're experiencing it, I always send them the verse. It's Romans 8, 28. And it says, and God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And it was the one verse that got me through. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And like yeah. knowing that there was good to come from it. And right. Once I got past the why and the anger, I was able to move into this, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And now we've been given the platform of, of having people around us who it's not great that they're going through this, but that they've been placed in our lives for these, for this reason yeah. and that we've been able to come alongside them like we have. And, and the fact that we have both experienced it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to come alongside people who've experienced it in different ways. You know, right. we've got one friend who experienced it similarly to how you did and who had to deliver a baby. And right. then there's some who have lost theirs early on, but still have to deal with all of the, the complications of all that. And just what a blessing now that we've been able to. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've sat down with someone and shared my story. Mm-hmm. And then they start crying, um, whether it's because they also, and that's happened, had a miscarriage and didn't have feel like a safe space to talk about it or someone who would understand what they were feeling mm -hmm. that or just that like need for God and like, yes, I'm going through something hard and I need God and just being able to share that that's what got us through it mm -hmm. um, is 
I feel honored when I get to be in conversations like that. And I felt honored and humbled when people helped us. And so any way that I can allow God to speak through me or use me to help other people, like makes me feel so good. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think, you know, we need to, to address now we've talked about how we've coped with our grief and you know, how, how it brought us back to God. And so what are some ways that we can comfort someone who is actively going through it, either someone who's going through it, or if someone's listening and they know someone going through it, Mm -hmm. what are some things that we can share as to how we can be better people for those who are experiencing this horrid trauma. Yeah. I think listening is like the number one thing, being able to just be there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you won't know what to say and that's okay. Like just having people with me and not feeling alone Mm -hmm. and being able to, whether it was cry with someone, pray with someone, um, have someone like just come alongside me and let's make dinner together or make dinner for me or just recognize that I was not at my best Mm. and that being able to come in and like be there and support me however like and knowing that people won't always ask I know that now like I struggle to ask for help Mm -hmm. those people that just came and brought food and didn't ask if I wanted it that was that was huge like on a day that it was hard for me to have something in my freezer and just be able to have Ruben pull it out and put it in the oven or to just come and pick up my son and I'm going to take him to school so you don't have to have hard conversations mm-hmm. about what you went through. Um, people, like at work, um, I said earlier, it was so great that I had a friend, a really good friend who had been through there through everything and saw everything and shared with people within our work sphere, like what happened. So I didn't have to come to work and answer over and over like what happened. And and it is healing to talk about it. Um, but it's, it can be hard to talk about it over and over. Mm-hmm. So Um, If you know someone who's gone through it, like helping to bridge that like gap of like letting people know this is what happened. So they don't have to have that hard conversation. That's a good one. I mean, that's really important. I think I have lots of thoughts on what to to your point, doing showing up in a, in a, in a physical way. So for me, what I've started doing is, um, and a lot of these things are because I've learned how not to do it by others. And, you know, I would always do the whole, can I do anything for you? Can I bring you anything? And it's easy for people to say, no, I'm good. So what I started doing is if I'm in the neighborhood of somebody who's going through something, even if it's not a grief or a loss, maybe they've had a baby, whatever. Hey, I'm going to get coffee and I'm right around the corner. What do you want? Yep. I'm going to just leave it on your doorstep. Yep. And like, they, I don't have to talk to you. I'm just going to leave it there for you. And just like something simple like that. Like I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to do for you. Now, what would you like? Yes. What, what kind of coffee would you like? And it's not an inconvenience. It makes them think, oh, I'm I'm already doing it. So it's not an inconvenience for me to do it for them. So that's what I've started doing. I've started showing up in that regard. And um, I think you're right. You know, being able to have people who can help share, help talk you through it. I think it was... <sighs> traumatizing in some ways having my miscarriage here at work Mm -hmm. because everyone was there. Right. And all of a sudden I've got five women running down the stairs because I'm, I'm sobbing on the floor. Right. And I'm just, I was right in the glass, the front doors, like at the glass front doors, like I could not move from that location. And so I'm thankfully on the edge door. So I'm not like right in the middle of the lobby, but I'm over in the corner right by the front doors, like on the floor sobbing and, and, they all came down and they rallied and, um, what do we need to do? And Jolie threw me in the back of her car and drove me to the hospital. Somebody else called Mark and got him, got him going. Someone else picked up my other kid. Like everyone just grabbed a job and did it. And so, yeah, I would say if you see someone going through something, think of like, don't ask, what can I do? Just do like, Hey, what time is, what time is your kid out of school? I'm going to pick him up today. Yep. Um, because then they don't have to feel alone. Yeah. You didn't feel like you had to shoulder and get through that alone because they didn't give you a choice. They were like, I'm here. Yep. I'm going with you. And I remember, I mean, it's not quite real. It's not a, a loss of a child, but I was going through something really hard. And my, my best friend said, where are your kids? And I said, they're in the car with me. And she goes, all right, meet me at the par- in this parking lot in 10 minutes. And she took them and she took them to her house and fed them dinner, gave them a bath, put them in pajamas, took them home. 
and passed them off to my husband and put them in bed. And I just sat in a parking lot and cried because I was going through something so awful. And I just have showing up in, in ways. Don't ask, what can I do for you? Just do something. And yeah. even if it's not, even if, if, if they don't want to call, I mean, even if you just drop off like a box of chocolates or you drop off a single flower or you a note, write them a card. Mm -hmm. People want to know that you're willing to come alongside them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said this, I did a podcast, one of these podcasts, it was a anxiety and depression. And something that we kind of really all agreed is helpful is be willing to come and sit with someone in their pain. Don't fix it. Right. Don't try to mend their problems, but just be willing to come and say, I'm here. I'm going to sit with you. Right. If you want to talk? Great. If you don't want to talk? Great. If you want me to cry? Great. If you don't want me to cry? Great. I will just be here. Yes. And having that. Is I good. agree with that. That's um, something that on the flip side was painful as people that felt like they needed to, it's the at least or mm-hmm. the at least you have two healthy kids. Well, mm-hmm. yes, I'm grateful for my two healthy kids. <laughs> I can be grateful I, for that and also be sad for this. Yes. So that's why like listening and just being there and not needing to fix it is huge. Yeah. And that was something else I wanted to say for those who have someone in their life going through it. That was something that really hurt me was someone said, a couple people actually would say, when did you have your miscarriage? And I would say, and they said, oh, at least it was only five or six or eight weeks in, or at least it was so early on that you didn't have to have any procedures or whatever. And I remember at one point I I posted on Facebook because I didn't, I didn't have the guts to tell them to their face. Now I would totally say it to their face, but in this post, they said, when you tell me that, you're not trying to comfort me. You're trying to comfort yourself because you don't know how to come alongside me and my grief. Right. And so to make yourself feel better for not knowing what to do, you're minimizing what I've gone through because it makes you feel like, oh, well, I don't have to do as much because it can't hurt that bad because, you know, at least she was only a few weeks along. And all you're doing is telling me that my pain isn't okay mm-hmm. because it wasn't as bad as you deem it necessary to be in order to feel sad. Like, this is the standard of where you're allowed to feel sad about something. Well, you weren't there yet, so it's fine. You'll be okay. No, no, I'm still grieving. And no, it's still tragic. And no, it still hurts. And you don't, you don't get to minimize what I've been through to make yourself feel better. And so I think that that's something. Never tell someone what they've gone through is not as bad as it could have been. Right. Because everybody's stuff is, is perspective. It's all about, you know, it's, it's what's um, for them what, what, what they've gone through type of thing. And my words aren't, aren't coming to me, but (laughs) everybody's got their own level of what they've gone through and what grief to you and grief to somebody else might be two totally different standards, but I'm not allowed to tell that person their grief is not relevant just because I deem it not worthy of grief. And that's just not fair to do to somebody. So, you know, anybody who's going through this kind of stuff, never (laughs) tell them at least it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Right. Cause that is, that's a cop out. Yeah. And just, I'm crap. sorry, honestly works so well. Just, I'm sorry. Yeah. And not needing to say more than that, um, I think is more helpful. Yeah. And I, I had someone hand me the book and whether you're listening to this and going through this and you're looking for something to read, um, someone handed me the book, Heaven is for Real, mm. when I went through everything. And um, that's, book really spoke to me, at least in that time, maybe that would speak to you or it wouldn't, or maybe, you know, someone and you don't know how to help. So that was a book that helped me get through it. Was there anything that someone did for you at the time that? Oh, I think I had a couple of friends who totally, well, my sister, my sister sent me a ring. It was really sweet. It was a little ring that had a little gem, two ring set, a gem and one had a heart and it came with a beautiful little card that said something along the lines of like, you know, you, in order to experience the joy, you have to, ex, you have to understand the full extent of a grief and, mm-hmm. in, and to feel the highest of highs, you have to go through yes. the lowest of lows. And it was very comforting. And I had these little rings for the longest time that I got to wear on my fingers. And every time I looked down, I remind, it was reminding me of my heart and, and my baby. And it was just my constant reminder. And so yes. I wore those for years and years. And, um, I still have the little card. I don't know where the rings ever went somewhere. They got lost, but I have the little card and it's on my mirror at home. And so I still read it every day and, um, still think about that little sweet baby. But I think the other thing that I've really learned from this is I don't like it when people say, I'll pray for you. I want you to pray for me. I want you to actually do it. It's easy to say it in a text. I'll pray for you. So what I've started doing and 
of course there's always good intentions. I don't want to minimize anyone's good intentions, but what I've started doing is if I'm on the phone with someone and they want, they say, can you pray for this? You know, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, I'll totally pray for that. No, right now we're praying for this. Yeah. Or if, you know, I mean, I think you've experienced when we've been in a meeting and you've been like, if you guys can just pray for something, I'm like, no, we're not going to pray for it later. We're doing it yes. right now. That's something you are really good at. And I've, I've actually taken that from you actually. Um, just in the moment being like, yeah, we're just going to stop and pray for it. Yeah. It, some reason you get in your head and think it's weird and you're going to interrupt things or is this the right time? It's. Or I, I'll do it later when I feel more whole, more connected to God, when I'm holier or something. Yes. Like during my prayer time, I'll pray for that thing. It's like, but I think like right just now. even something little like that, that you going through what you did helped you to get that perspective yes. of like, no, I'm just going to seize the moment Yep. and I'm going to pray right there. If I want to pray with someone and I want them to feel like God's with them and feel that I'm with them, then I'm yeah. just going to take that moment and pray. And I, I, someone said once, like, don't rob someone of something good you have to say. It almost feels like in a way you're almost like robbing of that moment of just getting to feel connected to someone and to God and knowing they care. So yeah. I love that you do that. Thank you. And I even, I'll even like, if, if I, if someone is in a text message, can you pray for this? I will text back my prayer. Like as I will say it out loud as I'm texting it and I'll send it off so that they can read the words that I'm praying so they can, they can partner alongside me in their own prayer. Because I think that when I say, yeah, I'm praying for you, people say that. And how often do we say it? And then we don't actually do it. We have every intention of doing it. It's not right. that we're bad intentioned in any regard, but it's different when I'm saying, oh, you want prayer for this? Okay. Dear God, this is what Lord, I'm yes. praying right now, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like saying it and I'm typing it out in a text message and I hit send because then I don't have to call you and tell you what I'm praying or pray over the phone, but you know that that prayer actually yes. happened. Yes. And I think those are some big things. So yeah. I think I would just say to anybody who is going through this right now that it's not, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. We've been through it. Mm -hmm. And more and more we see people coming forward and doing it and that there will come a time when you get to use your horrible experience and your grief and your trauma to be a platform to help other people to come alongside them in their grief and to point them to God mm -hmm. and to remind them of this incredible um, creator who wants the best for them, who works everything together for the good for them. And, you know, God will use you through this. And no matter how hard it seems right now, it's not the end and God will bless you. And if you are faithful, he will continue to show up. And someday we will get to ask the hard question of why. But sitting here for too long, living in that why is really going to hinder you from being able to move forward. We don't know why. We don't, we still don't know why. I mean, I'm five years past it. You're how many years? Like I have to do math right now. It's been <laughs> what, 10 years? And we still don't know so. the why behind it. I mean, we know what good has come from it, mm -hmm. but we don't know the why. And right. maybe the why is so that we could do, be doing something like this. But maybe the why is just that God wanted these babies up in heaven with him. Like, I don't know the why. And someday we'll have the opportunity, but it's okay to feel the things you're feeling, feel them fully and completely, and just know that God is there and he's never going to leave. And yeah. I you can choose what place you want to sit in. So you can sit in a place of... Um, sadness or hurt or wondering why and it'll it that's where you'll stay um, for me I was so glad that we stepped into faith yeah and hope and that knowing that um, I still to this day because of that book heaven is for real just imagine the day not only that I get to be with God and with Jesus but that I get to meet my son and um be with him in heaven. And that, um, is all I need to hold on to is that hope and love and knowing that, um, he's with someone who loves him more than I do. So it's good. I mean, and you know, we, we say over and over again, his plans are for us. He is for you. He is for you. He wants the best for you. His plans are better than even your plans are for yourself. And just keeping, keeping that perspective as best as possible in the midst of the grief will just help you realize that there is an end to this. Right. I mean, the, obviously, clearly <laughs> the sadness doesn't go away. Yeah. The hurt doesn't go away. Um, but I just 
choose to be grateful Mm -hmm. for what I have in front of me today, Mm -hmm. to be grateful for a father that loves me and never leaves me and um, hold on to that. So Mm -hmm. uh, anyone who's listening that has that feels alone, like hopefully this makes you feel a little less alone. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you take that step to whatever is going to help you heal, whether it's talking with someone, going to church, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is that's going to help you to heal, because I think it's important to work towards healing. I did. I mean, even things like I worked out afterwards because I needed something to control. And I was like, I'm going to work out and hopefully get results. And I did, but it's like working towards healing and caring about taking care of yourself. So you need, I I needed God and I needed his love to propel me and to be able to heal and to be able to like, love and not dwell in sadness. So I would like to encourage any of you listening that's that need more. We have um, resources available. We've got a prayer team that's ready to partner with you at any moment. Um, We've got all of these things. So if you, if you need any of it, please don't hesitate. If you want to talk to us, if you want, you know, we talked a lot about ourselves and our experiences, but I'm hopeful that some of this information is something that some of you can grab and say, maybe I'll try that. Or yes, that's a good point. Or I'm glad I'm not the only one who felt that. And, you know, just kind of camaraderie is something that helps us so much in a, in a healing process is knowing that we're not alone in something. Yes. And so hopefully we were able to give you that. And, um, Thank you, Sarah, for coming and being yes. vulnerable and open. And yes, you know, it's hard. it was hard. It's hard us. to talk about, but it's my story. It's mm-hmm. like if I believe that God's with me and he's going to get me through anything, then yeah. Um, I think that this only made me stronger in seeing that and seeing that God's going to get me through anything. So yeah, I'm just grateful that God has given us this platform to to be able to minister to others and to help them through their grief and that God has placed those people in our lives that we can come alongside. And so I hope I don't wish this on anyone, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a blessing to those around us. Yes. Thank you. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Getting Real About, make sure and follow us on your preferred podcast platform and then share the episodes with other ladies in your life. We believe every podcast episode has something for everyone. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hear you next time.